Well, snow and ice and accidents have people trapped in their cars in Washington, D.C. We'll have the details on that and more coming up on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Today is Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. We'd love to have you with us. Go ahead and subscribe over on iTunes. We're here every day, Monday through Friday. And uh, if you want to make sure that the algorithms don't dictate what kind of news you're getting, then go ahead and follow us directly. Don't let them decide. You decide. And uh, joining me today, as always, Trey Goins Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. What's up, fellas? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Living the dream. <laughs> you sound thrilled about it. You sound thrilled about yeah. it. You're, it sound like you're trying to convince yourself that you're living the dream. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm here. I'm excited. Dan is not making us be here. We are excited to be here. I, at least we're not trapped yeah. on the interstate right that now. Is, that, that is yes. Just, Horrible. I cannot imagine uh, people stuck, particularly if you've got kids or pets. Like oh, I nightmare. cannot imagine dealing with that nightmare scenario. Um, so we're also going to talk about because COVID is always a thing. Yeah, uh, there's an Australian man who took extreme measures <laughs> to protest what's going on. He set himself on fire. Uh, so we'll have the details about what's going on with that crazy. Story. That's one route. That's one route to take. It's pretty pretty yeah. sane way to approach things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then we're also going to be talking about 538, the website, posting a very strangely timed Christmas Day tweet asking people for their abortion stories. Mm. I think the response they got was not quite what they were looking for. Oh, my. All right. We'll look forward to those coming up. But let's start here with story number one and the details. People stranded on I-95 in Virginia after a snowstorm and both directions of I-95 were shut down in Fredericksburg and beyond as crews tried to rescue drivers who had been trapped in there, some for almost 24 hours. Um, and so this happened in Stafford County, Virginia, and multiple trucks crashed as a major snowstorm sort of came in. And And for anyone who's lived in Virginia or been to Virginia, um, they don't handle snow very well. Now, this is, it looks like a serious storm. There's a good amount of snow, but uh, I lived in Richmond for a few years, and, you know, if you got a a little dusting, it was pure panic, and everyone just, you know, ran yeah, for the awful. hills. <laughs> yes, Trey I'm is in a, Virginia. A, as a native Virginian, I can confirm that we are horrible at handling snow. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, no offense to all you listening, Virginia, but you guys are terrible at the snow thing. I mean, you get nice weather <laughs> most of the time. It's usually pretty mild, but occasionally the snow creeps in there, and it throws you for a loop. But these trucks, I mean, you know, truckers are going interstate, state to state. So, but it's obviously tough for them in these conditions because I mean, if anyone's driven a trailer, it's uh, it's not easy. You get loose control of that thing on, on some ice and there's nothing you can do about it. So multiple trucks crashed. That caused the backup. And then, you know, clearing it out is an issue. And these drivers are just stuck. Um, some of them ran out of gas because or food or water, obviously. I mean, many people just driving home from work or whatever the case may be. You're not planning for a road trip, so you're not really prepared for the long haul. And so um, some were stuck with kids, some had pets, um, some had family members with medical needs in the car. Uh, Governor Northam told uh, local news that Virginia State Police, the Virginia Department of Transportation, other state officials and crews were working around the clock to try to help people. And um, uh, Tim Kaine, a former vice presidential candidate, 
He's been stuck in his his car. He said his normal two hour drive to D.C. at 1 p.m. yesterday, 19 hours later. I'm still not near the Capitol. He said his office is in touch with Virginia Dot to see how uh, we can help other Virginians in this situation. Please stay safe, everyone. So he, he posted a picture. And um, this is unfortunate for him because he's not only stuck in this, but if you see the picture on his Twitter account, he's directly behind three tractor trailers. So you can't, there's no view. I mean, at least if you want to be stuck, maybe you get like a nice <laughs> overlook or something. Yeah, no, you're, you're just standing, staring right. I mean, he's right <laughs> behind them. So he's like boxed in and he just can't see anything except these trucks. <laughs> That's horrible. Uh, that is horrible. But yeah, I mean, these people are just trapped in here, guys. And I mean, wh- what do you do here in this situation? I mean, I- I'm thinking of this as a dad of four and my kids are 16 and all the way down to six. And I don't know what I'd do with them stuck in, in the I'm sure some people are in that situation. I don't know what I would do stuck in the car that long because it would be, I mean, we, a two-hour trip takes us four because of all the bathroom breaks and things. So <laughs> I don't know what you're doing in that scenario because it's, you know, it's super cold. If you're low on gas, you know, do you turn the car off? What if you didn't bring blankets? You know, you get the littles in there. What a nightmare situation this is. It is. And, you know, I'm looking at that Tim Kaine photo. It just reminds me of the 2016 <laughs> election being trapped. I feel, you know. um, but, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, I've been through this before in 2018, something very similar, not as bad, but almost, almost as bad um, in New York that happened. And it's an impossible scenario. The one part of the puzzle I had gone to get my kids and got trapped in it. And I think about all these people who were going to get their kids, right? You're leaving yeah. work, you're trying to get home. And what do you do then? Like you think about the single parents who they have nobody else to get their kids. It's just, it really is a nightmare all around in every level. Mm. I could, yeah, I cannot imagine having to deal with that. First of all, because I always have to pee. Like that's just <laughs> our family. Whenever we go on family trips, like I try to have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I, I just, I, I know that I would be like, I've got to find somewhere to go to the bathroom. Uh, so uh, at least Tim Kane has some privacy maybe with the, the three 18 wheelers <laughs> all, all around him. So he's, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I just cannot imagine dealing with like being stuck on there for 20 hours or more. Um, yeah, that's a that's a crazy situation. It's not something we're used to seeing, so it's no. kind of weird to see, uh, you know, such an infrastructure failure is essentially what what it is like. That there are so many people just absolutely trapped and have been for a day. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's wild to think about. Not having medicine, I think that is like yeah, right. That's and, scary. Like, yeah, that's that's really scary and life threatening. And then how do you, you know, in the in these kinds of moments, I always think, well, if something happens, and this is just like my paranoia, if something happens, is there a way for an ambulance to get to me, right? And it's like, well, no, there's not in that situation. You're pretty much, I mean, it's just, yeah, it, it's if you have anxiety, a situation like that is going to put it through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. On top of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things at play there. And it's just one of those things you just don't think about. I mean, you you take for granted just all the things we have accessible to us. And then mm-hmm. a moment like that sort of rips it away. And, um, you know, in our creature comforts in here in America with all the blessings and of material things that we have, um, it's moments like those that I think ca- cause you to remember that, oh, you know, you're not in control. I mean, same thing with like COVID and you know, it's an invisible virus going around and you kind of, 
realize that, well, there's in some ways there's not a lot of, you know, this is out of my control, how this is going to go around. And I think that should cause us to at least pause and stop and remember that we're, we're not the ones in control here, that God's in control. And, um, who knows, maybe it'll cause more people to take a moment to stop and consider that. So, um, you know, hopefully anyway. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely clears your head of any, of any of the distractions that we normally have, which it's it's good that we have these blessings and these things accessible to yeah. us. But when you no longer have any of those things, like you said, you have to rely on just the peace of God. Uh, so, you know, hopefully that's that's a positive takeaway from stuff like this, uh, because it's just a crazy situation all around. Mm. Uh, but all right. Story number two. So uh, an Australian man set himself on fire in protest of COVID restrictions in Victoria. Uh, So we'll start number one here with the details. So eyewitnesses of the disturbing incident told local media outlets there in Australia uh, that the unidentified man was shouting expletives about the new vaccine mandate in Victoria moments before setting himself and his car on fire. Uh, One woman, Lydia O'Connor, she told the Herald Sun that the man was screaming about mandates uh, she then claimed to watch the man pour gasoline on the vehicle and then on himself uh, and, and light a match. She said it was definitely on purpose. Um, so all of this comes as Victoria in November instituted new mandates requiring all workers to be fully vaccinated and patrons of any stores or bars uh, or restaurants uh, or any businesses really in the in the area uh, to show proof of vaccination in order, in order to get inside. Uh, So another person said when they saw the man that his skin was burning, uh, his skin is stuck to my shirt uh, because they they just happened to be that close uh, to him when the fire was was happening, uh, that there were just pieces, you know, flying around. Uh, He said that um, the guy was just completely intoxicated uh, and screaming about the mandates. And number two here, and I think it's something that we haven't talked about enough, even though I know we've talked about this on the podcast, but it doesn't get enough attention, is the mental health ramifications from all of this stuff that we've been doing for the last two plus years with COVID. Uh, as we've, we've acted as if it, it all happens in a vacuum. That it's the only thing going on uh, in the in the world, uh, and there are no other things that, that are that are going on. It's not impacting other areas of life like the economy or people's mental health. Uh, I was just reading uh, earlier this morning uh, about fentanyl overdoses. Uh, being a leading cause of death for 18 to 25-year-olds here in the United States. Uh, So it's something that I think we need to be paying more attention to than we are uh, because this isn't happening in a vacuum, and it's it's really impacting people's lives that that someone like him felt the need to – obviously he was intoxicated, but he felt so – overwhelmed by everything going on that he turned to drugs and alcohol uh, maybe he had a problem that predated covid but either way and then ended up burning setting himself on fire it's just it's heartbreaking for this to be the reality for so many people and that's why it matters is because as christians we know that we we have a hope that surpasses you know all of this stuff uh, and never have we ever been in a better situation to bring hope to people because they're so desperate for it right now. And I think that's an opportunity for the, for the church to step up, but also hopefully for the government to realize maybe what we're doing is, is causing more harm than good at this Mm. point. Mm. Yeah. And I, I mean, you look at that action and the last time I remember somebody being so desperate that they did something like that, not saying that there's any justifiable reason to do that, but it was right before the Arab spring, and a guy set himself on fire. I think it was I Tunisia that. or something like that. Yes. One of the, one of those countries. And he, 
but it's, you know, where you've got oppressive, you know, Arab dictators, you know, sort of hoarding over everyone. And it led them to do that, which, again, not a rational response, no matter what's going on. But, you know, can we relate to that level of desperation in that situation? I don't know. But then you have it here in Australia. It's like, what? You know, that's the only two places I can remember seeing it. And it's kind of wild that it's in a place that's supposedly free or was at one time anyway. Yeah. And, and, you know, like to Trey's point, we've got this situation where mental health, I mean, there was already a major mental health crisis way mm-hmm. before COVID, right? Yeah, and yeah. there was already a suicide crisis and an overdose crisis and all these other things. These crises are hitting at the same time that this virus and then the reaction to the virus um, has hit. And so it's it's really disturbing. I mean, as you were reading that description, Trey, of the, his skin, you know, being on mm-hmm. someone, I was just like cringing. I mean, it's, it's just... I can't think of a more, I mean, there are, there are other horrific things, but, but self immolation is one of the most horrific things somebody could do. Yeah. And so the state of how ill you have to be um, and how out of your mind you have to be to do something like that. These are, these are wake up calls that we've got to get back to treating these initial issues again, that we had even before we made the problem worse. Yeah. And uh, you know, just a little bit more information about him, uh, a, a- According to social media posts from people who were there when it happened, uh, five people were able to, to rush over to him and pin him down, and the firefighters were able to extinguish the fire, and he's been taken to the hospital, but there hasn't been any updates on on how he's doing. Mm. Hopefully mm. he's all right. That is that is horrific. Well, we're actually going to end on a positive note. For once, I am delivering the positive story <laughs> here. we go. Uh, so, you know, following that one up with a positive, but this, this caught my eye and live action had covered this. And, and then I sort of looked into it because I found it fascinating that 538, uh, some people may know that website they posted. And I have to tell you, it's the, the strangest timing, a Christmas day tweet asking their readers to submit their abortion stories. And at first you look at the tweet and it says, do you have an abortion story? We want to hear from you. And there's a link. And when you click the link, is it, they, can I pause real quick, to, uh, Billy? Yeah, you, of course. What 538, isn't that the like statistics site? Yes. Like, where they kind of is. analyze things and yeah, do charts and whatnot? What? Yeah, okay. It's silver site. It, this yeah. seems off brand a little, or maybe there was some reason they were doing it. I'll, I'll wait, but. Yes. Well, so basically you have to click when you click through, they've got a form you can fill out and tell your story. And they, they lead with that. The fact that nearly one in four American women will have an abortion before the age of 45. And so they're leading in with a stat on it. And then they start talking about how over the past decade, there's been, you know, restrictions to access to abortion. And, you know, now it seems likely the Supreme court will limit the right to abortion. And then they say, look, with all these shifts, we want to quote, include the voices of people who have had abortions in the U.S. And so they were looking for abortion stories. They tweet this. I mean, this tweet continues. This was Christmas Day to get responses, but they are not the responses that 538 wanted. They're not abortion stories. They're stories from people who chose not to abort their babies. And when I looked earlier, there were over 800 quote tweets. I think it's like over a thousand now. People are sharing photos and stories. And we've got a recap of this on Faithwire. It's completely overwhelming. We picked out some of the most amazing ones. Um, one woman named Becky, she's, she said, quote, my baby was diagnosed uh, with spinal bifida at 19 weeks and was told he would never walk. I was asked to abort six times. I'm mm. glad I opted for fetal repair surgery instead. I don't even know what to imagine a life without him. And there's a photo of the kid. Mm. I mean, there's so many amazing stories. And 
One woman, a politician, actually, Julia Coleman, uh, she said, doctors said I could I could save James if I killed Charles. Here they are this morning. And then she's got a photo with both babies mm. together. She clearly didn't make the choice to selectively abort. And so there's tons of stories. And one, one of the messages, and a lot of, by the way, a lot of Down syndrome stories and false positives, right? So when you get tested, you know, oh, your baby's going to be born with Down syndrome and it turns out the baby's fine. And there've been some stories about that this week, actually, that the, that genetic testing is not very accurate, apparently, many times. Hmm. Um, so so anyway, Patricia Heaton, uh, just a second point here, from Everybody Loves Raymond, she wrote, this account taste, tastefully posed this question on Christmas. She's actually, she's being sarcastic. The day celebrating the birth of Christ, but the replies are wonderful stories of courage and joy. And so it really is an example of something being turned around, something really ugly and awful because of what it is. And then you're doing it on Christmas Day, getting the best Christmas surprise ever, which is stories about <laughs> defending life. And why does that matter? It matters for a lot of reasons. Obviously, the life issue we know is an important one. But I think being able to take something that is so awful and turn it around in this yeah. way, you don't you don't get to see that a lot. And it was really fun. It was really fun to see that. Here it reminded me of Genesis fifty twenty. You know when Joseph is speaking to his brothers and he and they've sold him off into slavery and wrote him off and and he's like you know you intended to harm me but God intended mm-hmm. it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So mm. there you have it. Amen to that. Yeah, that's great. And um, just a reminder, we've got uh, coverage of the March for Life coming up. Uh, I guess in just a couple weeks now, right? What what's on the twenty first? I think. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, yeah. I don't know. I remember the exact day off the top of my head. It's coming. I'm sure it'll be the day of the biggest blizzard of the year. Uh, yeah, but we are going right. to be yes. on the ground. Yes. I'm excited. Well, fun. you'll be on the ground. I'll actually be yeah. in my office here, <laughs> nice and toasty warm. In the heat. In the heat. I've got a little space heater right here. So I'll be warm. You guys, unfortunately, will be a little we'll bit We'll be buried under colder. mounds yeah. of snow as we report on the importance Maybe, of But remember, we're not forced to be here. This is just, we, we're we thrilled to be doing just this. Just thrilled to be doing it, yeah. We kid, we kid. But hey, guys, we got time for one more here. Real quick, I want to end. Uh, did we cover this yesterday, the Chris Tucker story that uh, you wrote up, Trey? Did we cover that? No, I don't I don't think we talked about that. I don't think that. we did, but uh, I, I just wanted to go over, just see if, what your guys' take was on it real quick. But basically, Chris Tucker, who starred in Rush Hour, um, money talks. And, um, of course he was on the hit series Friday. He apparently turned down a boatload of money to do. They, you know, they've been doing a lot of these retro sequel type things later where they come back to a hit from, you know, years gone by. I think it came out in 95, I think. And, um, but he's, he's citing his faith that he turned it down. He was saying, he said religious reasons and he didn't want to cuss or smoke weed on camera anymore. I think, I don't think he realized how big of a cult classic that was going to become when he did that. And who knows what his faith was at, at that time in his life. But, um, you know, it just became, I mean, such a iconic movie in culture that people, you know, cite and joke about. And then I think he might have been a little mortified, like, oh, my goodness, that's that's like my guy. You know, like, that's the character I've created. And so he didn't want to do it hmm. again. And so... uh uh, and he talked a little bit about his faith and, and everything else. So what did you guys, what was your reaction to that? I think it, it's really interesting that if you dig into some of the other comments that he's made, like in 2018, he took a lot of backlash because 
I mean, this shouldn't be controversial, but he said as a Christian, he prays for the president every day. Obviously, then it was Donald Trump. Right, which you're, uh, yeah, you're not allowed to say anything nice about Trump. Right, so he said that he wanted, him. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted him to, to do a great job regardless of his political party, which got him in trouble. But then also he's talked about going back into stand-up comedy uh, instead of acting as much since becoming a Christian. Mm. Uh, and he said that being a Christian has really helped him with his comedy uh, because he said he has to work harder to be funny because he said a lot of comedians will just go for the raunchy or like yeah. gross joke. Uh, and he said they're able to get quick and easy laughs, like cheap laughs. But he said, I have to think a little bit more uh, and I have to be a little bit more strategic about my jokes. He said, I have to dig deeper to find something that's still funny and not raunchy. It's harder, but he said, I like the challenge. Uh, so he seems like a, a pretty, pretty yeah. cool guy. Uh, and it's interesting to see, it's inspiring to see uh, that his faith is really, he's allowed it to permeate, a, a, you know, every level of his life. Mm. Yeah, it seemed to be a little bit um, about, as far as that particular film, marijuana, right? And yeah. weed and, yeah. and not wanting to normalize that. And I thought that was really interesting, especially in a culture that has become obsessed with normalizing it. Yeah, um, and legalizing it and everything else. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's an interesting point, though, about that, that, that it's harder to be funny and clean. Because I saw, I don't know if you guys saw the dust up with Patton Oswalt. And uh, yeah. he had posted a picture or something with him and Dave Chappelle. Now... I barely, I don't really know anything about Patton Oswalt other than I've seen him on Twitter a few times and he's, you know, uh, left-leaning politics. But somebody posted a clip of him doing stand-up and it was, it was just that. It was just him swearing and uh, using profanities and he didn't really, there was nothing clever about it. It was just he was delivering this profanity-laced sort of rant. And I thought, you know, when I hear... You know, Chris Tucker making that point about you have to be, you know, if you don't just throw in the swears, then if you took that all out and edited this clip I saw, which I'm not going to repeat because it was horrific, but uh, it, there was nothing funny, nothing clever about it at all. Like the only thing, la it's, it's kind of like the equivalent of going to fart jokes, like to make the kids <laughs> laugh, right? Like, yeah. you know, you try to get their well, attention. Harm and, in that. Right. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm Maybe guessing that I'm guessing that is a staple in the Hallowell. <laughs> Family. Oh, it is. Yeah, oh, well, is. yeah. Imagine, imagine with three boys, the, the the conversation often gets derailed, and we have to get it back on track. But uh, anyway, so I, I appreciate like that. Like this show, like this show. <laughs> but I appreciate the fact that he, um, he, you know, is at least making that effort. You know, because you need it rather than just the dumb stuff. Yeah. No, for sure. And I love when people are countercultural, when you're willing to stand up and, yeah. you know, if something's harder, that doesn't mean it's not better. It's better sometimes to have to put that effort in to find out how to be funny without that stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, continued prayers for everyone. If you're just out there stuck in your car in Virginia still, hopefully the highways are opening up soon and you can get out of that nightmare. I'd say if you're listening, but by now you've probably run out of power on all your devices and everything. So... So I don't know what's going on there, but we'll continue praying for you nevertheless. And hopefully that clears up soon. So we'll be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. As always, head on over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com for more. God bless. See you tomorrow.